Welcome to the Ordinary Investors Podcast with your hosts, Sean and Leah Baker. Hey, everybody. We are here with Jason Lowe and Sarbelo Gill uh, from Ascendant Financial. Really excited for this topic today. It's something that uh, I wish that we were introduced to it a long time ago, uh, but so glad that we've been introduced to it now. Um, and this is uh, the infinite banking uh, concept and uh, uh, becoming your own banker. So uh, Jason Sarbelo, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, I'm going to let you guys take it away and uh, introduce us a little bit more uh, uh, to the concept and uh, what it's all about. Well, uh, firstly, thanks for having us. And um, where, where do you want to begin, Sarblo? Well, let's go back to the beginning, Jason. I would say, you know, your introduction to the process and the concept of the process of becoming a banker. So I think it's important for Canadians to, to hear that journey. And then we can expand mm -hmm. on it as as we discuss more. Yeah, that sounds good. I, I guess where I would begin, I was, I'll never forget, uh, I was invited to attend a, a conference and I had no idea that the topic of this conference was going to be the domino that uh, tipped over, that that took my, my life journey in an entirely different direction. So one of my friends that... Um, had uh, become a very successful entrepreneur and a very successful investor, you know, uh, addressing the topic of investment. He reached out to me and said, hey, come on down to this conference. We're going to learn about becoming your own banker. And this was in July of 2008. And I had no idea what that even meant. So I, I said, Matt, what, what does that even mean? And he said, just come on down for a few days. It's going to be amazing. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> and so come on down. We're going to learn it. It's going to be great. So I did, and uh, that that changed everything. I, I came back to Canada and immediately got to work on um, trusting but verifying that what I heard was something uh, was a process that you could actually implement here in Canada because the conference was in the United States. And that's typically a Canadian's first question, right? Will this work in Canada? And I was not licensed um, in in the industry at the time. Uh, as a as a life insurance uh, advisor, I had no perspective to draw upon or to compare this to. And so I started meeting with all of the life insurance carriers in Canada that would meet with me so I could literally vet everything that I had learned. And I, it was just checking the boxes, literally. It's like, yep, you can do that. Yep, you can do that. Yep, that's these are the attributes of the contract, and these are all the guarantees that are inherent and associated to it. And we began to implement it personally in our lives, my wife Rebecca and I. And one of our um, many stories in our journey with the concept is that when we initially got started with it personally, before we started educating the general public about it, our objective was to get rid of the mortgage on our principal residence in a shorter period of time. And that was just such a shallow, narrow, financial objective, but it was something that we could establish the premise that this process really works for us. And we could share that story with other people. Well, back in April, before I even discovered the process, we had signed a 40 year amortization on our mortgage at that time. And you could still get 40 year amortizations back then. And I thought, wow, we got a low payment, low rate of interest. 
amazing. Then I discover this concept, this process of becoming your own banker, we begin to implement it. And we got rid of the conventional bank in seven years. So 33 years ahead of schedule, getting the banker out of your life is uh, not too bad. I mean, we were pretty aggressive with it. But now those stream of payments that we would have otherwise been sending to someone else's bank, I, I'll say that again, someone else's bank, because your debt, the payments you're making on your debt is someone else's passive income. And so we redirect those very same payments that we still would have been making to that conventional lender to this day. We're changing the matter of where that money's flowing to and who that money's being put to work for. Because when we got rid of the bank, I called my mentor, my late mentor. Uh, I don't know if you can see his photograph here. R. Nelson Nash, who developed the concept. And I said, Nelson, you're not going to believe it. We got rid of the bank. And he said, well, don't celebrate too quickly. This is about becoming your own banker. And so you have to be an honest banker and you got to finish the original loan schedule that you committed to someone else. You're just changing the matter of where the money's flowing to. And so, of course, throughout the years since then, we've got so many more use cases of how this works for our clients and for us personally and our family. But we started with one policy. One policy. We have 67 policies in our family today and 12 more in underwriting while this episode's being recorded. The premiums that, that flow into our system were $1,400 a month when we first got started. My premiums would be $600,000 this year. We started with one business, mine. <laughs> and now we have 12 companies in the low family group of companies. So talk about investment. This process made all of that abundance possible. Isn't that good? Who, who, wow. like, who would, who would examine that? Who would examine that and go, you know, logically, um, I, I don't think that's something I want to do. <laughs> like, so, what do you mean when you say that? Somebody has to perform the function of banking as it relates to your needs. Why wouldn't you want that to be you? What do you mean that's not something you, you don't want to do? If, if you don't want to do it, it's because you don't understand the problem. And, and therefore, the solution just doesn't matter to you. And so what we do, and Sarblo in particular, Sarblo Gill, uh, hands down one of the best authorized infinite banking practitioners in North America, bar none. What we do is we educate the general public on the problem so that when we present the solution, they know exactly what to do. Isn't that good? That's fantastic. Amazing. I know that. Uh, that, that probably took a little longer than you were expecting. No. <laughs> it's like, geez, <laughs> get to the point already. Um, but it's, it's so important to share, as Sarblo said, to bring people to lead them through that journey so that they understand, you know, this, this wasn't a, a, a transformation that occurred from Tuesday evening to a Wednesday morning. <laughs> like this takes several years, but the time's going to go by anyway, and you're going to need the use of money. You're going to need to finance things like investment, whatever that investment happens to be, property, businesses, uh, equities, wh whatever it is that you're investing in. The capital has to come from somewhere. So why not own and control the source of capital and be able to leverage that source of capital without interrupting any of its growth and be able to take advantage of high caliber opportunities that will absolutely track you down. I'm sure the three of you would agree with me. 
when you have ready access capital on demand, opportunities will find you. Mm -hmm. And those opportunities yeah. tend to be a very high caliber. Mm -hmm. It's good. For sure. All right. It's amazing. Absolutely mind blowing. If you're hearing this for the first time, like it's wild what this concept can do for your life. And honestly, if we could go back and do it all over again, this is exactly where we would start uh, because of the power, honest, honestly, yeah. because of the power and how you can set yourself up so nicely for exactly what you said there, Jason, when those opportunities arise, you are going to be in the best position to capitalize and just say yes to those opportunities. So, um, yeah, love it. And you don't have, you don't have to go through any of the anxiety of, oh boy, I got to get in touch with my banker. This is such a great opportunity. And then the banker says, let me just send over an email with the 348 items that you need to provide to me in order for me to underwrite this transaction versus getting on yeah. the phone, calling the life insurance company and saying, I'd like to request a policy loan. And the insurance company says, well, how much, how much equity has accumulated inside of your policy? Let's have a look. And then the insurance company indicates, here's the maximum loan amount available. Would you like us to send you a check or electronically deposit the money into your uh, bank account? That's it. There's no income verification. There's no uh, reporting to TransUnion or to Equifax. There's no personal guarantees. There's no um, underwriting criteria. The insurance company cannot ask you what you need the money for, what your intentions are to repay it, because you're the banker. You've got the gold, you make the rules. All the loans that you access are unstructured. You control the repayment schedule. So imagine, just put yourself in a real estate investor's shoes for a moment. Okay, you spent years building this pool of capital while simultaneously growing your portfolio of real estate. And rather than go and borrow against the real estate, and potentially put yourself in a bad position if the interest rate lever goes the other way, which nobody ever talks about that. It's always sunshine and roses. Mm -hmm. Versus going and borrowing against your own supply source of capital that can, it, it can only go up in value. It's contractually guaranteed to grow in value every day and it can't go backward. And use that, use the life insurance company's capital without interrupting your own to go and radically improve what you're already doing as an investor with the added bonus of being in a position of total and absolute control as it relates to the financing of those great opportunities. Yeah. Any real estate investor who's halfway smart, which all the real estate investors I've ever met with are really intelligent people, they grasp this concept very quickly. And they say, okay, I understand because when I buy real estate, I'm buying it for a deferred benefit. I'm not buying it to get all the equity I dream of tomorrow morning. It's going to take time. Isn't that good? That's fantastic. Sorry, Sarblo. I, I, I'm going to mute myself here so you can, <laughs> you can do some talking. <laughs> Sarblo, why don't you uh, tell us how, how you came across the infinite banking concept and uh, what attracted you to it? How did you get involved? Absolutely, Sean. And uh, yeah, I got an interesting story to share. So, <clears throat> so my background is in engineering. Um, you know, I was. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take go, go back a little bit in time. I was age 13, grew up in India, born and raised in India. And at age 13, I actually wanted to become a professional golfer. That's that's the path that I wanted to to take. And it wasn't just me. It was two of me. It was me and my twin brother. 
And finding a sponsor for golf in India has, has always been a challenge. So it was very expensive for my dad to put us through golf school, both of us. Uh, he, he, he worked in, in the Indian Army, so the income was very limited. And he was the only sole uh, breadwinner for our family. So he sat both of us down one day and he said, uh, we got to change something. And he looks at me and he says, you are relatively better than your brother when it comes to doing math. I said, okay, where is he going with this? He said, I think you should go become an engineer. And my brother continued, you know, working towards becoming a professional golfer, which he did pretty well at. And then I took a path of academics and I got into engineering just because lack of resources at that time for a family. And, you know, I got nothing bad to say about it. It was all great. Um, graduated as an engineer, started working for a small car manufacturing company in India called Suzuki Motor Corporation. I'm, I'm sure everybody has heard about them. Did that for two years. Now, one thing that I realized working for Suzuki Motor Corporation is there's nothing new I learned about engineering. I just got better doing a lot of PowerPoints in Excel. And certainly that wasn't fulfilling enough. So I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to make a change. I do have some engineering experience. Why don't I, I, I try? Uh, working for an operational company like All In Gas. So I started applying uh, across the world where I had an opportunity to learn more about All In Gas in the master's program. So I applied to University of Alberta to, to get into master's in engineering, which I did and graduated in 2010. And we all know what, what the time was in 2010 from economy standpoint. I had three offers from big three oil companies and they were all taken back and they said, hey, call us in two years and let us, we'll let you know if we still have a seat available for you. And, you know, we all know what that meant. So I started working in retail. Do you guys remember Future Shop? Yeah. 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 So, so that was my first experience. Uh, in Canada, from a forward working standpoint, is I started uh, in, in Future Shop, did that for a few years, and you know, worked, worked, it worked good. Worked up, you know, worked, moved up the corporate ladder, did all the great things. But again, fulfillment was always missing. So here's what I did: I put a resume to together, and on top of my resume, I said, "Hey, here's my qualification. This is what I've done professionally." In the bottom, I said, "Hey, find me something that has nothing to do with my work experience," and I uploaded the resume on Indeed. Can you imagine I actually got a phone call from a placement agency based on that resume? Wow. And it was a company in Edmonton downtown. And they said, hey, we ha you have the most interesting resume, Sir Blue. I said, I know I made it. Right? Okay, what's next? I said, I think you need a fresh start. What you should do is you should go meet Jason Lowe. I said, I don't know who Jason Lowe is, but, you know, he's Jason Lowe. I'm Sir Blow, so we have something in common. But uh, the worst that can happen is I'll end up learning something meeting with Jason. So I go meet with Jason, and we had a great conversation. I still remember the day. It was uh, it was August 2015, and Jason was traveling across the country. So it was tough to get into his calendar. But Jason at that time was looking at hiring someone on, on a T4 capacity, someone he can coach and mentor uh, to, to, to get them going as an IBC practitioner, because a lot of people in our industry, you know, being experienced life insurance advisors, they say sometimes they just don't get things which are really simple to understand. They overcomplicate things. So he was looking for someone who has no background in life insurance, and, and I became his guinea pig. And the, the experiment worked so well that here we are today building SNE Financial together and it's, it's been great. So that was my introduction to the process of becoming a banker and fast forward to today. You know, we have an amazing team of other practitioners who coach Canadians on this process and concept. And 
it's been it's been a great journey yeah you know one of the things that resonated with me from reading nelson's book because i was always fascinated about learning about money and wealth you know he says something in his book which really touched me i had to read it a few times just to understand it he says we can't get a better rate of return investing into anything without first controlling how we're going to go about financing it so it's not about changing our goals about investments it's, it, those are all great goals it's not about changing the cash flow it's about changing the process to get to the objective and that's going to create the difference between without following the process of becoming a banker versus following the process of becoming a banker the objective will get accomplished no matter what is just one process will produce a better outcome versus the other awesome thank you wonderfully said the one thing that you said there too is that keeping it simple and and being able to explain the process and i think that uh uh, from my journey with you so far, it's been, you've done a great job of simplifying the process, making it easy for me to digest in bite-sized chunks. Well, and uh, as Jason said earlier, starting with just that one policy and seeing uh, how the mechanics of it work and how it grows over time. And then you start to understand the actual, uh, uh, how it grows over time and, and what the benefit is and how it scales to multiple policies and everything else there. Um, did you guys, either of you guys want to touch in or touch on uh, the mechanics of how it actually works? And, you know, it seems almost like it's too good to be true. It's out there. It's just this thing that's that's growing. How does it grow? What what are the mechanics on, on that? Oh, it's such a good question. So w whenever you have a job to do, you need a tool or you need a set of tools to get the job done. And so if, if the job is to take control of how you finance all the things that you need throughout your lifetime and to recapture that, that interest, that money that you would have otherwise transferred to someone else's bank, then you need a tool to get that job done. And that tool is dividend paying, participating whole life insurance. And that tool is a unilateral binding contract. The industry named it a life insurance policy. What it actually is, is a unilateral binding contract. You own it, the life insurance company administers it. And part of that administration is fulfilling the contractual guarantees of that tool. One of those contractual guarantees is daily cash value accumulation. That cannot go backward. That cannot be repossessed. That's not correlated to a stock market, a real estate cycle, the economy, tax rules, political turmoil. It's not correlated to any of the above. The insurance company itself controls the investment function of all the, the capital that comes in to that company. You not only own the tool, but you co-own the company that administers your tool. And when the company that you co-own puts that money to work, which they must in order to fulfill the contractual guarantees that they're legally bound to, they have a pretty amazing track record of never failing to produce a divisible surplus, a profit. And that's an engineered outcome because they price their products accordingly. If there's a change in the marketplace that merits an increase in what you pay per dollar of death benefit, they, they increase the price. If there's market conditions that merit decreasing the price, they decrease the price, but they're collecting more capital than they need 
to offset the contractual obligation of payment of death benefit. So they put all this money to work, they create a surplus, and they distribute a portion of that surplus to all of the participating policyholders. So people who have term life insurance, critical illness, disability, group employment benefits, universal life, et cetera, they're all paying premium, but they're not participating in the surplus generated from that premium. Only we are. And we co-own the lender. So when we need ready access to capital, one of the contractual guarantees is called a policy loan provision. And the insurance company says, listen, you can request a policy loan from us at any time. And when you do, you get to use our capital and you get to pledge your cash value as collateral. And because we, the insurance company, guarantee the collateral, the cash value, the loan is unstructured because we're going to place a lien on the death benefit of the insurance policy. So there's no risk associated with that lending activity. The insurance company that you co-own is going to be assured that there's going to be a return of capital plus interest. And you participate in the surplus generated. You pay no tax on the buildup of cash value, which is contractually guaranteed to match an ever increasing death benefit. And that contractual guarantee has never failed to be, set, to be satisfied, ever. There's not a single documented instance of that ever occurring. You don't have to control any of the investment functions, so you're not the one uh, who's having to make any investment-related decisions at all. Your sole obligation as the owner is to pay the premium. And you pay no tax on the death benefit proceeds. And if you're doing this corporately, which you can, your corporation can own the policy and pay the premium, the policy is exempt from the passive investment income tax rules. How do you like them apples? <laughs> like, it, here's when I talk to audiences all over North America, because Sarblo did a great job uh, sharing, you know, the, the, the Ascendant team and how we built this amazing business here in Canada, but we operate in the United States as well as Life Eva. And so when I, when I share this message with audiences across North America, I go through all of these attributes that I'm describing to you now. And I ask a logical question. If you understand all these attributes that you can put almost unlimited sums of capital into this warehouse, that you are a co-owner of a business that has never failed to produce profit because the profit is engineered. That you share in that in the form of dividends and those dividends do not trigger any taxable event. Every night you go to bed, you know that when you wake up in the morning, your net worth is gonna be higher. And when those dividends are declared each year, they're contractually guaranteed to be paid, they can't be repossessed and they can never lose value. You pay no tax on the buildup of cash value and no tax on the death benefit proceeds and you're exempt from the passive investment income tax rules. How much of your capital do you not want residing there? <laughs> Take all the time you need and write the number down. <laughs> like, it's be, because again, what, what, what's, what people can, um, can begin thinking when they're exposed to this concept is the human condition kicks in of, I've got to do a number of things so I can only allocate a portion of capital if I decide to do this. They're missing the point entirely. 
This is about becoming your own banker, not deciding on whether or not this is another widget that you should go and invest in or another place that you should invest money. This is the foundation upon which all of your wealth building activity happens. Regardless, if you don't do this, someone else is going to perform that financing function as it relates to what you want, to what you need. And you're going to transfer all your financial energy to someone else. Logically, is that something you want to do? Well, if, logically, a person would say no. Okay, now that you understand the problem, which is you're doing all the work and everyone else is getting all your money, the solution to the problem is to be the place that gets all the money. You control <laughs> where that money is flowing to, that financial energy. How much of that financial energy do you want to redirect to a system that you own and that you control? And what people, what audiences are telling me, particularly in the, in the United States, because we only began operating there in January, is they're sharing with me, they're saying, Jason, I've heard of this concept. I may have even read the book, but nobody's explained it to me the way that you did. And now I'm thinking about it differently. I'm not doing, thinking this is an either or. I'm thinking this is a necessity in order for me to get all the other either ors. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's that's fantastic. Now I know that there was a big uh, hurdle as far as um, you know uh, people's mindsets around insurance and different types of life insurance. You know, you think okay, and I remember when we were shopping for our first policies ever and uh, the different types of insurance that we had. You know, we had mortgage insurance that covered the balance of the mortgage. We had a little bit of term life insurance that hey, if something happened, it was a cheap premium that you know, our spouse would have a million dollars to go uh, make sure that our family's taken care of. And then they had this really expensive whole life portion option. And they were like, ah, no, no, you shouldn't take the whole life. And, yeah. and it was this really expensive premium. Like, I mean, like $200 for a $20,000 death benefit. And it was just enough to cover, you know, the funeral expenses or whatnot. Um, and, 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 uh, to look at that in a different light, what would you say the difference between that is and how this becomes a catalyst to actually grow um, rather than, you know, just be that uh, $20,000 death benefit that people would often think that a whole life policy is that, uh, you know, you're just paying up for uh, when that happens. You're prepaying that $20,000, I guess. Go ahead, Sarblo. So, so Sean, that question does come up, uh, especially folks who are doing a lot of research on this process. See, borrowing from whole life policy is nothing new. It, it has been in existence since, in, in, in Canada at least, since 1847. And the issue was people never put a lot of money into it because they always saw it exactly how you're describing it. It's an expense because it is life insurance. I'll benefit from it after dying. When people educate themselves in the process of becoming a banker and they start to rethink their thinking, especially what Nelson says in his book, he says, you have to be in two businesses. One business is the business that helps you generate an income. The second business is banking. 
isn't it true if you look at it from this logical standpoint isn't it true all your money i'm not saying i'm just speaking generally all your money is flowing to the books of someone else's bank and you're okay with it nobody thinks about it from that vantage point yeah I'm, i got all my money flowing through in commercial bank and i never object to it well if the objective is to become your own banker using a tool for participating dividend paying whole life policy and understanding based on what jason just shared that our money must reside somewhere money can sit in your pocket in your wallet underneath your mattress behind your toilet tank it has to sit somewhere what better place to warehouse money out there other than the participating dividend paying whole life policy so now when you start to think it differently you start to capitalize the system more than just pennies because if you think about this from another vantage point it just say I, I put two jars in front of you and one jar has pennies in it and the other jar has dollars in it and i say hey you can stick your hands in one jar only which jar do you want to stick your hands in pennies or dollars 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 logic says dollars and i agree and that's the whole idea is to capitalize the system because see if you, if you when we go to the bank and we, we get a mortgage bank qualifies us and, and bank has all the money they can write a check for a million bucks to go buy the house well the reason why bank is able to do all that today without any hesitation provided we qualify is because banks are overcapitalized. they have people depositing money in banks for years and years and years and years it didn't happen overnight for them either that's right so to get to that level we have to capitalize our system which is we got to put premium in and the more we put in the more death benefit we have, which is better for the family, and the more death benefit we have, the more cash value accumulation we have. Now, whole life, participating whole life, just as an insurance product itself, your premiums will never increase, never. Now, let's say the premium is $20,000, just using that as an example. Now, let's just agree that $20,000 is worth more today than seven years from today because of inflation. Mm -hmm. Seven years from today, we, do we do we know which way the inflation is going to go? Likely up. Likely up, which means the cost of operating of the business called insurance company will also go up. But if that cost goes up, insurance company cannot come back to us and say, hey, because our operating expenses have gone up, now you got to put more money into the money pool via premium to offset what we promised you. It can never happen. So is, is it a hedge against inflation? They're just going to charge more for future premium from premium. future policyholders. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's a premium is set. That benefit keeps increasing. Premium can go down. It can never go up. And the only person who can control the reduction of the premium is actually the policy owner, not the insurance company. But if you contrast this with term life insurance, which may sound really inexpensive today, let's just say a million dollars of that benefit on a 38 year male non-smoker is 600 bucks a year. But that 600 bucks a year is only $600 for a certain period of time. Maybe it's 10 years. What happens after 10 years? Starting year 11, is it going to be 600 bucks now? Well, it's probably going to be almost 300 bucks a month. And it'll stay the same for another 10 years. But once we get to projected mortality, that premium is going to skyrocket. So when we need that benefit the most, can term insurance really solve that when the premium is not 600 bucks per year anymore at age 84 or 85 or even 70 at that time? You know what else is interesting, Sarblo, is that you've got, you have people right now, people who are, who are listening to the show, who are spending a lot of money every month 
providing other people with passive income streams. They're making car payments. They're making credit card payments. They're uh, making line of credit payments. And they'll sit down at the dinner table and say, we're sending out between the mortgage, the cars, and all of our debt. We've got 3000 a month permanently leaving the family. We can't earn interest on that money again. We can't spend it again. It's a permanent transfer of wealth away from the family. And man, am I ever frustrated that I'm paying $25 a month for my term life insurance policy. <laughs> Call that in life insurance guy and ask him if he can get it down to $19 a month, will you? Do you think we need to re-examine what's actually going on? Nobody's describing it to people this way because the, the insurance industry itself places a high degree of emphasis, understandably so, on the death benefit characteristics of these insurance policies. But a participating dividend paying whole life insurance contract has far more financing characteristics than death benefit characteristics. And Nelson said, proper characterization is so important. If he had control over that, he would have named it a personal monetary system with a death benefit thrown in for good measure. But you'd have to come up some, some creative acronym, you know, to for, for the general public to to see that. But I, I'll I'll tell you from firsthand experience, going back to the beginning of my journey, a lot of the questions that I was asking the insurance company, the representatives that I was speaking with, and these were C level executives, would respond with, "I'm going to have to go and check that out. Nobody's ever asked me that before. I'm going to have to get back to you on that." I spoke at an Equitable Life Leadership Conference in the Netherlands and the CEO of Equitable sat down with me at dinner, leans into me and says, I want you to know that I have to say, you possess a higher degree of knowledge of participating whole life insurance than our home office personnel does. I commend you for that. This is what we're educating the general public about because people are saying nobody's ever explained that to me. I just thought insurance was an expense and that you had to die in order to win. Think about it from this logical vantage point. Like if you pay 25 bucks a month for a million dollars of coverage, you're a 24 year old male non-smoker and you buy 20 years of term life insurance coverage and you're paying 25 bucks a month for it. Do you believe that the insurance company thinks you're going to die within that 20 year window? but you do, right? You're betting against the insurance company. And if they had any notion that you were going to die or believed that that was a high probability, would it be a very bad business decision to provide a contractually guaranteed promise to pay a million bucks in exchange for $25 a month? That would be a horrible business decision. So that's why less than 2% of term life insurance policies ever pay out a death claim because the policy holder, not owner, the policy holder cancels the coverage as they get closer to the time frame in their life when they're going to need it the most because it becomes cost prohibitive. Whereas with participating dividend paying whole life insurance, it's permanent. The insurance company knows that it's not a matter of if it's when they're going to pay that death benefit. Isn't that good? I, I, I love, oh, sorry. Go uh, ahead, Sean. 
Oh, I was just going to say, I love that distinction that that little distinction you made of like owner versus holder, because that's the thing is that you are an owner in this policy and what it can do for your life is just mind blowing. Um, the one thing I was going to say as well is that just starting back in our journey, going through this, the one distinction for me was, oh my gosh, we're paying the banks and we're paying all these people, all this interest. Never mind the principal, never mind. Just on the interest alone, I was like, oh my gosh, why wouldn't we put ourselves in a position where we're paying ourselves that interest? Just that alone is a game changer. Never mind all the principal and everything else that you would be paying to these institutions, right? Leah, that's uh, that's a really, really, really valuable insight for your listeners and viewers because one of the most frequently asked questions that we receive is when I request a policy loan, do I have to pay interest? And the answer is yes. Capital always has a cost. Now the question is, again, because we do our best to help people to rethink their thinking, but most importantly, develop and strengthen the muscle, the brain, to, to rethink their thinking, is that nobody's talking to you about the interest that you're giving up the opportunity to earn by continuing to do what you do financially and how you go about financing the things that you need in life. Because the notion is, well, if I can borrow money presently today from TD Bank at, and it's inverse now in many cases, but a few years ago, conventional banks' interest rates were lower than the simple interest rates that the life insurance companies called for on policy loans. So going back to that period in time when somebody had the notion of, I can borrow money from a large conventional bank at 3%, and the insurance company that I co-own is calling for 6.2% simple interest. Why wouldn't I borrow the money from the conventional bank? Well, if the four of us owned a Safeway grocery store together, would we ever purchase our food from Walmart? No. And Nelson, Nelson explained it perfectly. He would say, let's explore this in the way that we think. If you're going to pay a conventional bank 3% interest on their terms, not yours, who is that conventional bank putting that money to work for and for how long? Well, they're putting it to work for the stockholders of the bank, not the depositors that made the lending possible to begin with. And Nelson said, when you borrow capital from the life insurance company that you co-own and you repay it with principal and interest, who's the insurance company putting that interest to work for? And for how long? Well, for the owners of the insurance company, which in this case is the participating policy owners. And so Nelson asked a very logical question. So where do you want your financial energy flowing to? And for how long? <laughs> well, your, the logic part of your brain kicks in, hopefully, and informs you of the logical path. Take control of this function as it relates to your needs and you can put yourself in a position where you no longer have to rely upon conventional banks for anything other than the convenience of debit. That is a very peaceful, stress-free way of life financially. I can, I can speak, uh, I'm a living proof of that. And I started this journey when I was 32 years young. Had I known about it 
when I was 24, uh, my results would just be even greater amplified today. But the point I'm getting to is that some people think they're too old. Well, you know, I'm, I'm 56 or I'm 65. Am I too old? Well, the last time you went to deposit money at the bank, did the teller ask you how old you are? <laughs> the teller just wants to know how much do you want to deposit? So we're, we're de-emphasizing the death benefit and we are placing the emphasis on the accumulation of capital. And the death benefit is there. That's an inheritance, uh, of course, part of the contract, that unilateral binding contract is a promise to pay a death benefit. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm. It is for sure. And I know that a lot of uh, people are in our position, like where we were when we started our investment journey is, uh, and I think the, the, the neat thing is, is that when you got into uh, this journey, you came in with a clear goal. What was your goal? And yeah. your goal at that point was that you wanted to knock the mortgage off in half. For us, our goal was that we needed to um, have the same income that we have at today when it was 2010 uh, and have that in our retirement and our current retirement vehicle that was going to get us there just it wasn't going to be able to provide that, right? We were putting, uh, you know, matching the company policies, everything else like that, um, and uh, to go towards, um, what was it, a pension plan that we had at that time. And I quickly realized that I'm not going to be able to do that. So that's why we went down the real estate path. And then looking at this uh, as a, um, you know, a way to grow over time and to have that, sa uh, have that saved up for the time that you go to access it in your retirement you know, nobody's dictating when you have to pull the policy uh, money or pull the money out from your policy or, or, or request loans or anything else like that. Uh, uh, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that when you hit a certain age with your RRSPs, they're going to force you to pull a certain amount each year. So even though you might want it to accumulate more and the market may not be a good time to pull your money out of that RRSP, they're going to make you. And it's, a, I believe, uh, I'm not going to quote it, I think like 4% or something like that per year of your uh, portfolio that you're forced to pull out once you hit a certain age. Which, I don't know about you, but I, I wouldn't want to have anybody dictating when I got to pull the money out that I've been working hard to save. Yeah. Well, you know, J Jason, you know, in his live talks, he used to say something and it'll help people rethink his thinking or audience rethink their thinking and i want to share that because this, perf this is perfect timing sean just based on what you just shared so if i ask you sean today you know let's go into business together and here's the conditions of the business number one is you got to put up all the capital for this business number two is you got to take all the risk when it comes to growing the business good so far and we're going to be in it together and I got to take it all. No way. Yeah. And number three is you get to decide when to sell the business. You have full control. But the moment you sell the business, me as a business partner, I'm going to step in and dictate how much of the business I own. Would you ever go into business with me based on these conditions? No, no, but people are in business. What does this business sound like? Not one that I want to get into. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, saying R, RSPs, yeah. right? Yes, yeah. RSP yeah. Incorporated. Yes. And yeah, yeah, you know, 
um, haven't met anybody, uh, honest to goodness, you know, um, all, all humor aside, I honestly have not ever met anybody who has sat down with me and said, well, uh, you know, the concern that I have is I don't feel like I'm being taxed enough. <laughs> like, can you, can you give me a plan that <laughs> puts me in a position to be taxed more? <laughs> like where, wherever, wherever wealth resides, somebody's going to try and steal it. And, um, we always, and we, we've been true to our message since inception that every financial product has its own set of characteristics. It just is right. It's not, uh, that one product is good, bad. It just has its own set of characteristics. And if you understand the fundamental truth that your money must reside somewhere and you evaluate all of the characteristics of where you're considering your money to reside, then that puts you in a much better informed position to make the decision that's best for you. And if, if flowing money into an RSP is what's best for you, then that's your decision and that's, you should do that. That's what you should go and do. If you understand the problem and a solution to that problem is presented to you, you should know exactly what to do. And when we present the problem, which is that someone else and some other organization is getting all your money and we want to transfer that financial energy, change where that money's flowing to and who it's being put to work for and for how long. And we want to provide protection because everybody's going to die, but very few people want to have a heart to heart about facing that reality that you're not immortal. Sarblo is dealing with uh, a very sad situation right now with a client who was 35 years young, passed away. His wife and um, unborn child will never have a bad financial day for the rest of their lifetimes. Of course, it's tragic. They're going to grieve the loss. They're going to go through a, a, a permanent lifetime of some degree of grief. But they can take the time to grieve the way that they need to because they don't have to worry about anything financially. And sudden and death. What a, oh, I was just saying, sorry, Jason. What a gift that is to have at that moment in time, right? Yeah. If we could all be so lucky to put ourselves in a position to have the time to and, and absolutely and i'll share with you another story um my youngest uh death claim was on a 13 year old so this is a farming family and uh the one of their sons had gone out to another property on on the farm to access something climbed a ladder fell off the ladder went into uh, cardiac arrest as it was later determined there was nobody there his father found him and we were recording a podcast at that time and in in our uh, company at ascendant we refer to this as a 911 moment meaning whatever it is you're doing drop what you're doing because this is a 911 and michelle came into the podcast studio put a post-it note off camera in front of me and it read 911. The interview, the podcast was immediately brought to an end. 
and I called his father. And being a father of four children myself, that was one of the most difficult conversations that I've ever had, dad to dad. That just human moment. And we fulfilled our duty of care, which we take extremely seriously. And we delivered that death benefit. His father called me and said, you know, the farming business has been rather tough these past couple of years. And while I'm devastated over the loss of my son, we can take the time to grieve the way that we should. We can celebrate his life the way that we should. And our family does not have to worry about anything financial. And so this was also a blessing. And we connect each year. And so to, to have, to know that we are the only profession that can create a contractually binding promise to pay a tax-free windfall of money when it's needed the most. And that's my definition of the best investment. It's one that pays the most when it's needed the most. To be able to do that, we're the only profession that can do that. There's no other profession that can do what we do. And so we're not only in a position to bring people a lifetime of abundance, but to also bring a tax-free windfall of money when it's needed the most. Every death claim that we deliver, not a single family has ever said, I wish the check was for less money. And so that's, that's part of what brings us fulfillment in the work that we do. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, we, we take that duty of care so seriously. And yesterday when Sarbo broke the news um, in one of our uh, team meetings, uh, Sarbo, I don't think there was a dry eye in that Zoom call. People were visibly emotional because we know our clients and we, we, we grieve with the family because we, we develop these very strong bonds and relationships. And so we, we hurt too. And then we got to go into 911 mode and circle the wagons and get that family taken care of, get that claim adjudicated as fast as possible. So we get that money in the hands of the family as fast as possible. That is good. That's amazing. That's powerful. Um, thank you for sharing that. And uh, you're you know, welcome. Yeah. You can tell oh, that, sorry. Go that ahead, Jim. you, you, um, you have a lot of passion around the subject and I love that, um, it shows through and, uh, that you're able to, with the help of, uh, you know, podcasts with the, and I, I know that I came across you guys on a podcast and how I got acquainted with, uh, the whole uh, concept and you explained it so beautifully. Um, I, I appreciate you guys coming on and sharing with everybody and, uh, you know, spreading the word of this concept and, uh, you know, you can totally tell what you're, uh, that you're on a mission to spread the word and to that more people should know about this. So, uh, really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, before we wrap up here, anything else that you guys want to share or, are you able to share how uh, our listeners, viewers would be able to connect with you? Yeah, go ahead, Sarblo. Yeah, happy to do that, Sean. And again, thank you for having us. And yeah, this is not work for us. You know, we are here to spread Nelson's message. It's impacted our life 
in a very abundant way. And same for both you and Leah. And this is this is what, why we wake up every day. But in terms of how someone can get in touch with us, they can always you know go to a website, ascendingfinancial.ca. There's abundance of resources to dive in. And one of the core values that is really near and dear to us is empower through education. So there is a bit of a homework that anybody who wants to implement this process should go through uh, self-study. You know, nothing beats Nelson's book. So if this is a video and it's recorded, which it is, I know, like get a, get a copy of Nelson's book titled Becoming a Banker, The Infinite Banking Concept. You can order a book from a website and, and, and dive into it. We have a YouTube channel called The Banker's Vault. There's almost 700 videos on that channel on understanding the concept some case studies for financing cars, for paying off debt, for real estate investments, for private lending, for growing the business, you name it. There's something for everybody on that YouTube channel. Now, most folks may like audio, just like Sean, you mentioned you like audio, like podcasts. So we have a podcast channel also called Wealth Without Bay Street. Tune in to the podcast. So we got books, we got videos, we got podcasts, audio. We doing we do live uh, sessions. We're in Toronto, this Friday, uh, we got about almost 250 people coming into the uh, live event. So we're super excited about that. We host frequent webinars on this process and concept. So our objective is to empower through education. And, and anybody who goes through that, they'll have an opportunity to meet with an authorized infinite banking practitioner on a team. The purpose behind that meeting is to see if we can add value. We know we can add value. We haven't met anybody who, who can benefit from this concept. But the, the real thing that we look for is if it's a good fit for us, right? That's important because our relationship is not transactional. It's not, hey, here's a policy. Hope you get there. Call us in 10 years. How did it work out for buying cars or paying off debt? No. We, we work with clients closely because this is brand new, right? So we want to help coach, implement this process for, for, for individuals, business owners, investors. And we also do group client coaching sessions. So when it comes to education, like there's plenty of things that we do to educate existing clients and prospect clients. There's no escaping the content. Like we communicate very frequently. So yeah, and, and, and we're not shy about communicating because I think it all starts there, right? So yeah. 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 And it, you know, for viewers and listeners who feel that they're ready now, um, get in touch with us to have a personalized conversation. As Sarblo mentioned, we'll get you connected with the right person on our team. Having Nelson's book titled Becoming Your Own Banker in your library is, uh, it can um, have the very same impact on you that it had on me. And it's a 92 page read, takes a few hours to read. He wrote the book for you and we sell it cheaper than Amazon here in Canada. And so we are the best resource to purchase that book, just hit our website and we don't put it in the mail. We courier it to you. That's how quickly we want to get it into your hands. And uh, we're here to serve. And so if you feel like you're ready now, give us a call. We'll get you connected to the right person on our team. Awesome. And we'll make sure that the links are down below so you guys uh, can quickly access them here. Thank you guys once again so much for coming on. Pleasure to be with yes, you. Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoyed the show today and that we brought you some value. We'd love it if you give some feedback, let us know what you think about the show and what you'd like to hear. And while you're at it, give us a follow so you don't miss out on any further episodes.